This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Friday edition of the Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in Mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. Sandy Humphrey, Brendan Chaffin, and producer Chris all here. You can join us with a call or a text at 875-KTGR. We get you set for... What won't be a weekend with football, unfortunately, only one of those left. And it's not till next week, but uh, we'll certainly talk some college basketball and we'll get some early Super Bowl thoughts from Rob Bino, wagertalk.com at 425. Uh, so look forward to that. We'll, of course, get uh, your thoughts on who you got for Mizzou and Vanderbilt. Someone's got to hey. get their first SEC win. Who's it going to be? Go. I love it. Love it. Fun. So Ooh. much fun. <laughs> we're having fun. No, we're not. Uh, we'll uh, talk about much. it still. Uh, who you got, Mizzou or Vanderbilt at 5.05. Our picks of the week at 5.45, as always. It'll be exclusively college basketball today. And some news today that could be the start of the shakeup in college sports. SEC and Big Ten making some news today. What happened with it? We'll talk about it here in just a few minutes. Uh, 573-875-KTGR if you want to call or text us here on the show. You can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show and find us on Facebook, too, at Facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now the Big Show's Big Deal. So it will be uh, Mizzou and Vanderbilt on Saturday at 2.30. The Tigers and Commodores winless in SEC play. We'll see who can get their first win uh, in conference on Saturday as those two teams do battle. Again, 2.30 tip and a 2 o'clock pregame start right here on KTGR. Women's basketball will be back in action on Sunday at 1 o'clock as they're at Tennessee. Tiger ladies are trying to break a three-game losing skid. This was big news from the SEC and Big Ten today. Big Ten Conference and the Southeastern Conference today announced the formation of a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors to address the significant challenges facing college athletics and the opportunities for betterment of the student-athlete experience. That directly from the release. Looks like the SEC and Big Ten are trying to grab some more power in college sports. That's the Big Show's Big Deal on this second day of February, 2024. 875-KTGR. Call or text us. It's happening. It's no one that Andy. What? Whoa, whoa, what? wait. They said, I mean, if you read what, what's being talked about today, they said, yeah, look, right. this is not us trying to break away and create our own Super League entity separate from the court. That's not what this is at all. So everybody just take a breath. We just want what's best for the sport. We want what's best for everybody. That's all this is. We're just, uh, we don't even have a name for this. We're just coming up with some ideas. Maybe bounce some stuff off each other and and maybe try to help. That's all this is. This isn't anything to talk about. Sure, Greg. Sure, Tony. <laughs> I, I get you. I I see you over there. I I oh. see what what's happening. Andy. Yeah. Andy. Andy. Oh, this man. is great. 
No, I, here's can I the tell thing. You something? This, this is great. This <laughs> is it great? Uh, well, so I mean, here's the thing. So that's essentially what's happening. SEC and the Big Ten, they're teaming up. They're getting some officials together, and they're going to try and hash out a lot of the problems that are facing college sports today. Like, what can we limit the transfer portal? Any can we put some guidance on NIL that makes sense? Can we? Figure out what to do with all these court cases, antitrust lawsuits that the NCAA is facing about possibly in the future the unionization of college athletes uh, treating them essentially as employees. Do we want to go down that route? There's a lot of things right now in flux in college sports where uh, decisions could be made that change the landscape for several decades. I could predict and so sec and big ten are trying to get together and be the ones leading the charge because let's face it ncaa has just sat on their hands and been like whoa whoa we're watching the fire burn as we are sitting on the fire extinguisher they're not a real thing the ncaa is the figment of your imagination in this respect like there's nothing that the ncaa can do really to fix some of these issues or address some of these issues because like you said like there was a moment in time where maybe they could have but then you know the blaze gets out of control and you you basically let the notion of nil kind of run freely in the market for a while and then you say hey whoa this we think this might we might need to put some restrictions you can't the nca is incapable but the organizations that do have power are the SEC and the Big Ten. They they have power, and I think there will come a time where we all can recognize collectively that those two commissioners, those two conferences, are really more powerful than the NCAA itself, especially when it comes to football. So seeing this today, and they're saying, look, this isn't a sign that we're going to have a breakaway league. This is We want a national governing body. Like We think that's important. We need that. We're still on board with that. We're just going to talk some things over, see if we can't help. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, but it, look, I, I yeah. think this is a sign. This, I mean, this is something that has some meaning behind it to me of what I've been predicting for months and months we would eventually see. Uh, I still think we're probably a, a fair bit away from that, uh, truly seeing those two leg, leagues break away and kind of be their own thing. But this is like a step that I don't think is nothing today. Andy. Oh, it's, it's definitely not nothing. It is the start of what you're – of what Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the Big Ten, are saying it's not. And look, they have to say right now that it's not because what they say has the chance to move stock prices if they say what it is. Like, yes, they're the two most powerful people in college athletics right now. So, I, I mean, their words have weight, and they can't just outright say, yeah, we're breaking away, at least not right now, when this is... Just the first baby step of getting to that point. So just say, oh, we're talking. We're just kicking around ideas. That's all we're doing. And you know what's at the core of all of this to me is the reality and the growing reality that the sport they're playing is different than the sport the rest of the leagues are playing. And right well, now, yeah. you might be able to blur some of those lines and say, hey, there's some big-time programs. And so I'm telling you, the, I don't know how many rounds of realignment we're away from of seeing that really be a, a stark contrast, and it will be undeniable that they're playing a different sport. And, like, we haven't seen a football season yet with 
USC and Washington and all the go to the Big Ten. We haven't seen OU in Texas go to the SEC, but you play a couple seasons like that, it's going to be even more evident in watching the way that the landscape shifts and, and things unfold. So, like, like, this is a reality. And I, I joked and said, oh, it's, I'm excited, it's a good thing. I don't necessarily feel that way because I think it's the first sign of the toppling of the way things have been. And I think there was a charm to the way that things were, and there are going to be some negatives to the way things are about to be over the next 5, 10, 20 years. But I think it's inevitable, and there's no real backtracking from it so i'm not sure exactly where this leads but i do feel like it's a it's a place that involves the sec and the big 10 kind of going yeah we are kind of we're different aren't we and we're above we're above this and to continue to pretend that we should all be playing for the same championship even perhaps down the line is maybe disingenuous like i think it could get to a point like that um the details of that are, are a long long way from being ironed out but I think there is a day coming where that's going to be a reality, and you might, you're going to see that potential breakaway. I don't know how firm that line gets drawn, Andy, but I, I, I do feel like that's something that could be coming. Give us your thoughts, eight seven five KTGR. I know Chris is kind of doom and gloom about this. The lever of the Pac twelve and the uh, ACC. Yeah. No, I'm using my, why, I'm why using are my brain you, thinking here. Okay, well, right, use your like brain it. and tell us what what you think. I got two questions actually. Okay. One of them off the top of my head is. If you're the SEC or if you're the Big Ten, why would you trust the other party to have your best interests at heart, right? If you're the SEC, you watch the Big Ten try to do, like, the shaking hands, like the, oh, yeah, we're all buddies with, like, the Big 12 and, like, the Pac-12 or, like, the ACC or something for, like, the whole alliance thing. You're talking about the alliance. That ended up falling apart anyways, and yeah, and then, you know, the Big Ten ended well, up poaching all those big men. Not done yet. I got another question for right, you. All right, so I'll address that. I understand, uh, yeah, and uh, just addressing that part of it. How do you trust each other? Is that the the first question, basically? Here's the first thing. That alliance was like two Zoom calls. That's all it freaking was. Like, there was no signed agreement. There was no advisory committee formed. There, There was just three commissioners saying, hey, this one vote that's coming up for the college football playoff, let's all get together and vote against it. But and we that's have the even w- less than that right now. No, no, we have more than that from the I SEC and Big Ten at the moment. They actually quick. formed a group to get together yeah. and do something about this. And, and I want to hear Chris's second question because I know him and I are kind of coming at this from opposite perspectives, and I think that can be kind of interesting. But specific to that alliance thing, I feel like that was just like a way for – some organizations to save face when everybody knew. Like, I don't know why the like the Big 12 and the PAC, and all, I don't know why those lower-tier conferences that are being dissolved into the Big Ten and the SEC, I don't know why they trusted the Big Ten in that matter because it was pretty clear that, like, the Big Ten is the one that's going to kind of absorb some of the good schools from those other conferences. But that was, like, a, through the fault of those other conferences. The Big Ten is, like... I don't know if you guys believe us that we're not going to take your best schools for a minute and we can do this thing. That's fine. But they, it's kind of on those conferences for trusting into the Big Ten. I think the SEC comes at it from more of a position of power than the other conferences did at the time. That's kind of how I would address the first part, Chris. Uh, but what else you got? What's your other question? So thinking about the NCAA's role in all of this is just kind of like this ineffectual power that is, you know, still at the end of the day built up by like university, like, you know, professors, like that kind of stuff. It still runs through like the channels of like the university, right, with commissioners, like executives, like that kind of thing. 
do you try to build something out of like that same framework if you're the Big Ten or the SEC? Because what I'm seeing right now is like those same chancellors, those same presidents, those same athletic directors who have kind of over the course of the sports history just also been a part of the ineffectiveness of the NCAA by virtue of being a part of it. Well, yeah. And now you're going to try to come at me with the actual solution when you could have presented it, like, I don't know, 100 years ago or something like that? Yeah, I mean, something that we do have to remember is that the NCAA is the school. It's the school! Like, it, there is, there are a few figureheads that, that run things. There's an administrative staff and everything like that. But mainly, it's the collection of all the schools together. So if you're saying the NCAA doesn't exist, it does. It just no, doesn't like, have the, the, the power to... It can't exist in the way that it does now because you have so many different schools that are all under the same umbrella. 100%, but it's almost like money, like currency. What gives it its value? We all say it's there and it matters. But if the if enough of the schools that have this, these organizations that they're a part of, these two conferences, say, actually, we don't believe in the NCAA anymore and we don't think it's necessary. We, we're going we're gonna to propose a new way forward. That's when the NCAA kind of poof, it ceases to exist in the form that we currently know it. And that's what I mean when I say it's not real. It's a, it's imaginary. It's only real because of those individual schools collectively trusting in it and, 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 and adhering to it. But I think there's going to come a moment in time. Like if you read the Ross Dellinger piece for Yahoo, I think it's Sankey that's uh, discussing the, you know, the meetings that he participated in, in uh, out in Phoenix. I was asked in Phoenix by administrators, when are you and the Big Ten going to tell us what you want? <laughs> right. And he says that was a motivating factor in kind yeah. of bringing this alignment together. Everybody kind of, I guess it was the elephant in the room, but we all kind of knew it, and now we're maybe putting it in a little bit more formal terms. Like Those are the two entities that have the power here. No other conferences, no NCAA overlord has the power of, of those two conferences. And so... <sighs> This was kind of a natural thing that I think was eventually going to happen sooner or later. I guess my bigger question is, what does this partnership between the SEC and the Big Ten, when they, I don't know, make up their own governing system, what do they offer the college athlete that the NCAA doesn't already? If we're still using that same framework of, you know, Going through the university system. Well, you're getting into some of the athletic directors. No, I get it. I think that's going to change a little bit. Well, what the, go ahead. The, these are some of the questions that they're going to be discussing yeah. in this advisory group, like to get Bingo. these minds in the room and say, "All right, let's answer Chris's question. What does this look like? What is our governing structure going to look like? Do we just?" create a separate division for football and nothing else do we stay in the ncaa and every other sport but football does its own thing do we try and get everybody off the ncaa's uh sort of ledger and just do our own thing with every single sport that we have which i think might be a little less feasible and much harder to do because you're breaking up march madness you're breaking up all those other ncaa championships ncaa will push back big time and they would be right to do so because for a lot of those sports it's necessary but for football specifically it's it's not the same thing. We can look at a thing and say, this isn't the same. These SEC schools, and for as many people as would say, well, when they really do the Super League, you you Vandys and Missouris of the world, you better get ready for, you know, you're getting booted. No, like, look at what Missouri is doing. Follow the money. as Vandy yeah. may be its own thing. But, like, the money is a completely different thing. And over the course of time, as the institutions from those other conferences are like, yeah, we're doing it different over 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 here, and we're capable of being part of that. 
that continues to get built up until you just realize that the participants of this thing, whether it's an NIL or just an overall investment in your programs or whatever it is, it's different from what everybody else is doing. So maybe we call it something different and decide to operate under some different guidelines. And I don't know the answer to that. And I think you praised it perfectly, Andy, by saying like, that's the Chris's question is the question. And it's part of the reason for doing this. And there's no like super easy answer as to what that looks like. But I could see a world in which the SEC and Big Ten, I don't know what it looks like. I don't have the details ironed down in my brain, but it comes to fruition in the form of like, hey, remember like the whole student athlete thing? We can stop pretending when it comes to football right. and we can we can come up with a salary cap or we you know, whatever it looks like. But do I they want like, that is my other question. I, I think in the long run, those two leagues could want that if they see the writing on the wall for mega dollars. They've money. gotten this far without, you know, putting contracts and salary caps on it they have but like don't we see that the other leagues here's the thing all these other leagues deserve to exist like the pac-12 deserves to exist but right. it didn't it, it died as terrible a result leadership. of terrible leadership and then these other things not recognizing ahead of time and in time to save the pac-12 that like it could have been this other thing it didn't need to be and, you know, that's the credit to Greg Sankey and, and le- leadership of his conference to be like, we're going to be on the top of the mountain, and the Big Ten have positioned themselves. It's an arms race, and those two are winning. And so at some point, everybody kind of has to come together and decide, like, what's it going to be? Who's going to be at the top of the food chain and be its own thing? You know, the, whatever you want to call it, the Super College League, whatever it's called, it doesn't even have to be student-athletes and based on, like, we could be getting into some crazy territory here, potentially, if the money is right. They'll allow it to happen, and fans will suffer, but they'll get used to it. Like, that's what I think we could be moving toward. And then that next layer of college football, group of five, and then the conferences that aren't part of the super thing, like, that'll still be compelling. There'll be a lot of people that are interested in that, and that can maybe be the regionality of it, too, right? Because there, there can still be that element in college sports. But, like, the the gap between the top and like the middle is getting larger and they're going to have to figure out how who's able to and willing to operate on this level and spend like some collectives are spending and and sure the NIO collective is not technically the university itself or the program itself but like come on we all know that that's just a proxy and it is you know that the boosters of those schools are able to spend and so that's why that program is a you know, a good one and one that buys players and pays their coaches a lot. I think you're just going to see those gaps continue to widen until we go, okay, here's where we draw the line. I don't know where they draw it, but I feel like today is a step toward someday somebody taking a pen somebody and drawing, drawing that line, that line yeah. somewhere. Exactly right. Yeah. And I don't know where that line needs to be drawn. Heck, I mean, just it, that's why you get all the minds in the room and you hash it out. And so. Finally, there's some sort of action being taken. On, and, and look, it's for the greater good, I think, for yeah. everybody. Not we'll just it the... Could, it could suck. <laughs> it well, could be bad. what I'm saying for the SEC and the Big Ten, I mean, it's it, it's obviously good for them that they're still leading the charge in, in college sports. But, I mean, people need clarity on this. I think schools need clarity on it. I think coaches and players need clarity, clarity on it. Fans need clarity on it. I think by forming this, you're stepping in the right direction of that. And the NCAA is essentially having the SEC and Big Ten do their job for them, which, I yes. mean, just... Which is going to leave them is to be kind of telling you what, what 
the power the NCAA has. So, hundred percent. I don't know, but it's specific to football, hundred percent. Look, maybe there is a worry that you know the that a a school gets poached from one league that goes to another. Like Chris was saying, like that essentially the end of the alliance was USC and UCLA good jumping to the Big Ten and stuff like that. But we knew that was coming. Uh, I mean, maybe the not reality that is here that the SEC and Big Ten. I mean, they have enough power at the moment to where do they need to poach the other conference's schools. Nope. I mean, certainly they're looking for other schools. They're looking yes. at Florida State. They're looking at Clemson. They're looking at Notre Dame. And, I mean, there's there's plenty to be had there, obviously. But something's going to be on paper for this. There already is something on paper, and that's a lot more further than the Alliance got. Instead of holding each other at arm's length and kind of always wondering in the back of their mind, yeah. would the Big Ten try to poach Alabama? Like, they'll never have to wonder that because they can go, all right, let's just go ahead and, and coexist a little bit here. But also, because we're the two big dogs, let's maybe also form a board and start to work on some of these problems that we can, maybe we can iron them out. Maybe they're impossible to iron out. And we're going to find that out. But I think to to try it, and it also guarantees that they don't have to maybe worry about one another, you know, because once once that poaching begins, it's mutually assured destruction. They're just going to be, you know, who knows who comes out top dog on that. If that's you're Big Ten and SEC, but but that's why they don't need it. If you're Big Ten and SEC, you can say we're kind of both on the same tier and we're up we're up on the mountaintop together. We can rule over the the peasants together. We don't need to come at each other. At least that's for now, what part of this is too. I won't rule out in the future one of them Maybe. starting to get greedy. But I mean, it's... one of them. But but for but for now, everybody eats. If you're the Big Ten, right. the SEC, everybody else doesn't eat. It's but those in your best to interest to be uh-huh. hand in hand right now. Use your resources to go after the little guys, not each other. You guys are both the big dogs. Yeah, and they can they can feel good about themselves. Yeah, we're big. We're cool and important. I'm not saying that's great. Guys. What's yeah, that? if you run out of little guys, then sure, then that's right. Because the there's like no rules for this stuff. There's no like regular. There's but no the, like. But, no, but here's the thing: this from happening. They're going to create the rules for it, and that's so it. that's kind of. I don't trust them to create the rules. They made this mess in the I, first place. I think I do because they won. This is a sign that they know they won. Those two. It, when did this start? Andy realignment in 2010. 2009, whenever it oh, started. Oh, before that. I mean, no, no, if sure, you go like real the, back, you know. who's? But I'm talking like, give me Nebraska or Colorado. Whichever one of those was first, that was sort of really as we started to, we saw the, the Texas Longhorns, they, they put the uncertainty into the Big 12, and then the schisms began. I'm talking about from kind of that point where we really started to get into, like that's World War One. this USC, UCLA is kind of World War Two. I think from the very beginning of the first one, this was the end result. And it's basically now the SEC and the Big Ten saying, hey, we acknowledge that we both won. The war is over against one another. Like, there's not going to be – we can be on the same tier, and it can be profitable for both of us. Does that mean the best thing for college football fans? That's not what I said. But but I do think it's – for those two independent leagues, it's the best thing for each other to go, hey, let's let's kind of work on this and see what we can come up with. Let's Let's talk about it at least. Well, it certainly is big news today. SEC and the Big Ten announced the formation of a joint advisory committee of uh, university presidents, chancellors, and ADs. They're going to try and tackle some of the big questions in college sports like right now, like NIL and Transfer Portal and these antitrust lawsuits that are in court right now being discussed uh, against the NCAA and 
Well, we wait and see what this looks like, I suppose. Give us your thoughts on it. 875-KTGR. Call or text us here on the show. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, at some point. But up next, we got to get the early Super Bowl thoughts from Rob Vino of wagertalk.com and also a little bit on college hoops this weekend. What do you think of Duke, North Carolina this weekend? That'll be a big-time matchup. Rob Vino joins us next on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. We're back. Big time implications potentially from this joint advisory committee that the SEC and Big Ten are forming. What do you think about it? 875-KTGR. Call or text us. It's more of just like, you know, what could happen in the future, uh, more so than what's actually happening, happening now. But it's the start of something potentially big. So we'll just have to keep watching it as it goes along. Super Bowl is not this weekend. So we still got to wait more than a week for the 49ers and Chiefs to lock up and play for an NFL championship. But why not talk some early thoughts on it with our good friend Rob Vino of wagertalk.com here on the KTGR hotline. Gives a sports from Vegas perspective and on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports. Robbie, how are you today? I am good today, Andy. And thank God, you know, I never used to like the two week wait for the Super Bowl, but in recent years with the proposition package put out by the Las Vegas uh, Superbook that is now up to 61 pages long. I'm happy to have two weeks to go <laughs> through this um, sort of journal of what's to be. And I just uh, actually last night printed it out and tonight we'll begin the work. So it's a lot to comprehend, but Hey, it's what they give us two weeks for. Exactly. So uh, that, that's, that, that's a nice little, uh, uh, cushion there to be able to go through it all. But I just wonder, you know, with, with this matchup in particular and how it, it shapes up, I mean, w- was it kind of what you expected uh, in the end with the 49ers and Chiefs? I know that kind of different paths to get there. Uh, 49ers having to come from behind in both of their playoff games. The Chiefs kind of turning the switch on and getting the plays that they needed to advance through each round. I just wonder how you uh, kind of see both teams as far as whatever momentum they can muster up after a two-week uh, waiting period into this game? Yeah, well, first off, I'll say that heading into last Sunday and prior to the first kickoff, any one of the four combinations that could have happened would not have surprised me. What we um, what did surprise me, I'll tell you the truth, guys, is that as the San Francisco game was winding down, you know, less than a minute to play and evident that they were just going to take a knee and win the game, I was actually texting with a a buddy and and said, you know, I'm waiting for the opener here. I figure Kansas City will probably open as about a two, two and a half point favorite. And five minutes later, San Francisco opened as the two and a half point favorite. So that was the surprise to me that San Francisco um, got the odds makers attention early. But my um, my perception there was simply based off of what I've seen with my eyes the last two weeks. And we know that these odds makers use power ratings to make the numbers. And if you do go through power ratings and I keep them myself, when I went and sat down and put mine, um, you know, did the addition or the subtraction here with mine, the numbers fair. San Francisco had climbed the power ratings ladder all season long, second to Baltimore um, in strength. And Kansas City, it shows how far down the ladder they had fallen, only to climb back up these last couple of weeks to where they're at. So, number was fair where they said it. Where they said it, um, early money came in and pushed it down to one. Uh, the immediate money, like myself, just said, "I got to take the Chiefs plus two and a half." And then 
that's been taken back since the two. And we'll see where it goes this week. But that was the surprise. And as to, you know, what they can do, um, you know, I guess practice starts this week. So all all the um, outside noise ends once this uh, week begins and then they get down to business. But we probably got the two best teams, even though we could sit here a while. I'm sure you guys did uh, for the good part of the week here discuss what could have been different as far as outcomes are concerned in both of those games. And Robbie, I loved your breakdown of the point spread and kind of the journey it took, maybe starting in a surprising spot. And you can talk about the power ratings and how it's a fair place to put it. But at the end of the day, when you've got Patrick Mahomes on one side and on the other side, I'm not going to disparage Brock Purdy, but you don't have Patrick Mahomes on the other side and the side with Mahomes is getting the points. What kind of warm fuzzies does that give you going into a Super Bowl? Because that's kind of the way I look at the point spread with where it is at present. And and you know what? That's always the headline to the Chiefs story, right? It's we have Patrick Mahomes and you don't. But you watch the game Sunday. And I think when I was on with you guys last Friday, I'm not sure that we discussed it entirely. I was on so many shows last week talking about it. I can't remember. But what you reminded of immediately in that game, and I'm so glad that I backed Kansas City early in the first half in that game, what you reminded of is how good of a coaching staff they have. I mean, that should actually be the headline even above Patrick Mahomes is that Andy Reid and his they outcoach people in these games. And when you have Travis Kelsey and the other side knows you have Travis Kelsey and they're supposed to be the best defense in the NFL and maybe the best defense that Baltimore's had since 2006, whatever we heard all week long last week. And then Patrick Mahomes comes out in the first half and throws the ball to Kelsey 10 times and completes all 10. The other side, it reminded me of the second half against the Eagles in the Super Bowl where there might not have been a defender within five yards of any Chiefs receiver in the third and fourth quarters. They just outcoached the other side. And I know Kyle Shanahan's a smart guy, and I know. But, you know, is Steve Wilkes going to match wits with Andy Reid with two weeks to get around? I'm just not sure that anybody can. So, Back to your original point, Brendan, I I know Patrick Mahomes, and he should get the bulk of the attention, but I think what gets lost in the shuffle is how good Andy Reid is, how good Steve Spagnola is. I thought that that team would get out in front, and let's see how Baltimore reacts to being behind. They've never reacted good in the playoffs in that situation. They didn't react good again last week. Uh, Kansas City, 14 quick points, 17 in the first half, and I think all the damage – it may be Baltimore shut them down in the second half, but the damage was already done. Once they got ahead 17-7 to and got inside Baltimore's heads, um, I think it was case closed from that point on. Rob Vino of wagertalk.com with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. All right, Robbie, so we'll save some more of our uh, Super Bowl thoughts for next week. But uh, for college basketball this weekend, uh, maybe going to a game that – might not be as much on your radar because both these teams have yet to win an SEC game. But Mizzou's going to Vandy. I just, with how you've seen Mizzou on the basketball floor this year and how this last stretch they've had has been pretty awful, uh, What what's kind of been the way that you've changed your evaluation of how you see Mizzou against the number a lot of the time and, and kind of what you're seeing this weekend is they still are looking for that first win? It's funny, Andy, because their most recent game against Arkansas, and 
you know, me, me and Brendan talk about it a lot here when I'm on this segment with you, but the way I like to play totals, and when I saw the opening total, Missouri and Arkansas, I thought to myself, there's no way in God's name I'm not playing over in this game. And then I started, you know, I talked myself off it by going through Missouri results the past three or four games and how pathetic the offense. And then I said, you know what, I can't, I can't even bring myself to do it because they're showing me no consistency offensively. And what happens, you know, Arkansas scores in the 90s, Mizzou gets high 80s, and the game goes way over. So they're inconsistently, and I guess you could say the same about the Razorbacks coming into that game, wildly inconsistent. They should have been better this year than they are. It probably gives Vanderbilt at home some hope that they can win that game. I mean, when Vanderbilt's looking down their schedule, well, what's winnable? Maybe Mizzou on Saturday isn't for Mizzou. Going to Vanderbilt, what's winnable on the road? Well, Vanderbilt should be winnable on the road. I really don't have a good feel for what sort of effort you're going to get from game to game with the Missouri Tigers. Um, as you mentioned, the results haven't been good. And it's it's kind of crazy because Dennis Gates made a pretty good splash last year coming in. And talent level being what it is, probably a little subpar to what it was last year, but they don't seem to have the same chemistry or anything cohesiveness that they had last season. So they're just a tough call right now. Obviously, they've been downgraded um, power ratings-wise by odds makers, by handicappers, by sports bettors, by everybody, um, to the point where you're asking yourself, can you win at Vanderbilt? Yeah, and that's a big if. We'll see uh, what happens uh, tomorrow. Uh, also tomorrow, big-time College Hoops matchup, and it's like this way every single year, but when both Duke and North Carolina are ranked in the top 10, it gets even more attention. So what's kind of the way that you see this matchup playing out on uh, on Saturday night with these uh, these two powerhouse programs locking, uh, locking horns once again? Yeah, we don't have a number yet. We won't have one for about maybe the next 20 minutes or so, um, usually 6 o'clock East Coast, um, 5 o'clock Central. We'll get Saturday's openers, but I will say this. I think there's a large upside for Duke still um, here in the month of February where as we get closer to – well, every day we'll, we'll get closer to bubble talk and, you know, um, conference tournament stuff and all that. So these games become a little more important. Um, for UNC, they're probably the team that has been in better form for most of the year, but I do think that the other side has more upside. And according to what the number is in this game, I'm going to look towards Duke first. And then wherever the number takes me from there, I'll uh, counterpunch to that. And where the total is concerned, guys, it's interesting. You usually expect a high-scoring game out of these two. And I I don't say that I wouldn't expect that again. But as most all sports now, when you start looking at where the odds makers open up these totals on games – a lot of times they just price you out of playing over from the beginning. So without a number, it's hard for me to make a commitment whether I would play Duke as a side or whether I would play over the total. But I have a feeling they're going to outprice me on the total, and I'll be looking more towards Duke. Like I say, just something about watching them lately seems like they they could um, be in store for a big February. We'll see. Rob Vino of WagerTalk.com with us here on the Big Show KTGR. All right, Robbie, what's the – Free pick this weekend that you really like. It's so funny. As soon as you started talking, Andy, opening lines started popping up on my screen. They're about a tenth of the way down the schedule because on Saturday the college basketball is so huge. But um, I will say this. Um, let's go 
to what we have tonight. Um, from tonight, let's go to the NBA. Why not? We'll go to the NBA, right. and I'm going to make a case for the Atlanta Hawks and sort of divide this up, guys. Not play game or total, but play team total with the Atlanta Hawks. The number here is 123. They're a home underdog tonight. They're a team that, you know, Mizzou fans, you're familiar with Quinn Snyder. Um, it, it, since Quinn Snyder's taken over, the team's made zero improvement, right? Why they hired, fired Nate McMillan, some people could ask. You know, why did they even do that? Because nothing's changed in Atlanta. But the, pro- <laughs> the problem for this team is that the health has been pretty bad all season. I mean, a lot of NBA teams go through injuries. Atlanta's gone through some, but they became healthy about three games ago. And it's a high-scoring team anyway. It's interesting to note that they average 122 points per game, a little over that, despite the fact that they walked through some injuries this year. And their team total tonight is 123 against Phoenix. Last three games since everybody's been back, every game has gone over this mark of 123. You're going to catch a Phoenix side that while they're playing better ball, for sure, we're only worried about how many points the Hawks score in this instance. Um, Phoenix is in the fifth game of a seven-game road trip. Could be a start for some defensive fatigue to set in here. Uh, I think Atlanta can take advantage of any of that. Friday night home crowds generally, uh, in my line of thinking, generate points if you're able to do so. Atlanta's a team at home that's able to do so. They're probably going to give up a bunch. Thus, the game total is like 249 or 250. But I do think the Hawks will find their way to 124. So that's what I'm going to leave you with tonight, guys. Don't. Close your eyes when the Hawks are on defense. Just root for the ball to go through the hoop when they're on offense. Atlanta Hawks team total over 123. There you go. It's easy to root for. So uh, 123 and a half on the team total uh, for the Atlanta Hawks tonight. Go over that, says Rob Bino of wagertalk.com for sports from a Vegas perspective. Always great to have him here on Fridays here on the big show. You can find him at Rob Bino Sports on Twitter and on wagertalk.com. Thanks, Robbie, for coming on as always. Hope all's well. I'm getting ready for uh, Super Bowl week next week. We'll talk soon. Yeah, always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good weekend. All right, you too. It is 443 here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Uh, Trey Young, I guess, is the uh, <laughs> the reason why from producer Chris. Coach that's... Killer, oh, so I've heard. Really? Oh, yeah. man. That's why he never gets to an All-Star game. Wow. Man. Has he really never gotten to an all-star game? uh, I think he was in, like, one all-star game. Okay. But he missed last year and this year. I do know this, though. uh, The Knicks won last night. That's right. And the Lakers, without LeBron and AD, won over the Celtics. Yeah. Austin Reeves, baby. He's nice like that. I'm a fan of Austin Reeves, I will say. (laughs) He is nice. Oh, man. Well, we'll get to some... uh, some under the bus next. The the Jaguars are trying, uh, a va- valiantly trying to get their money back that was stolen from them and bet into a sports book, but a poor one out for them because I don't know if it's going to go their way. That's next. You are listening to the Big Show podcast on KTGR.com. It's time to go under the bus on the Big Show. It happened. Winter, you're under the bus. Winter is not coming. What happened? Phil, 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 Phil. Punxsutawney Phil today. That's my dog. At Gobbler's Knob. Did not. I'm sorry, wait. Uh, that's where it's called. Is it called Gobbler's Knob? Yes. 
That's not. No. Yeah, look up. it up. I look don't think up you can say Gobbler's that on the radio. Push a dump button? No. I think you should press the button. <laughs> look it I up, Brenda. You can say that at all. Educate yourself. Look it up. It I, is in actual right. place. That's crazy. That's where Punxsutawney Phil lives and good old Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Did not see the shadow today. That means an early spring, baby. Hooray. And to I, be honest with you, like here in Columbia, it, don't don't look now, but it kind of feels that way. Yeah, I was Careful. gonna say, don't need to tell me it was sixty Wait. yesterday. Wait, because I can tell you exactly what's gonna happen. You wanna hear? Okay. The next couple weeks will be mild. It'll be nice. And then it's gonna there's gonna even be probably some like late February, you're gonna even see some seventies, I bet. And then you know what's gonna happen? Early March is gonna get here. Brendan's going to mosey on back up from Jupiter, Florida, and we're going to get some more snow. It happens every year. It's nice in Missouri while I'm gone. <laughs> I come back up up north, and it, it all goes back to freezing. I promise you that is the recipe. Oh. Every year. No, I trust Phil. Phil says, Phil, 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 Phil. <laughs> I still can't get over Gobbler's Knob, though. I'm not entirely sure that any of this is real. Again, I'm just, Google is your friend. Uh, go, go ahead and Google yeah, no, it. It's, that's what it looks to be. It's, that's what it is. Hey, Winter! Under the bush. Take that. Yeah, I've seen Groundhog Day. I get it. Right. Uh, and under the bus of the Jaguars. This is a story that I, I can't remember when this actually came out, but it was a couple weeks ago. Former employee at the Jaguars... Uh, fired and also jailed for allegedly taking out $20 million in funds from the Jack Fires organization and putting it, putting it on sports bets and losing all that money. And the Jaguars now are asking FanDuel, the sports book that this guy apparently went to, hey, asking FanDuel, hey, can we get those $20 million back? <laughs> Josh Allen needs some money, pal. You can't let that talent go. Not yeah. this time. Good luck. Good luck with that. And, and yeah, so FanDuel good. is not expected to honor That's that request. Awesome. What kind of weight music do you think they had on the phone when they gave him a call to ask? Oh, like, hold on just a second. On hold for sure. All yeah, the we'll time. transfer you. We'll transfer you. We'll, we'll get somebody to find out about that. That's a great question. We'll get the, We'll get somebody on the line for that. Perfect. I don't know who thought that was a great idea. I mean, I guess I, your, you got to try, I, mean, I suppose, if you find somebody nice in the organization that wants to help you out. And I think the other unnamed sports book is like the partner of the NFL more so than maybe they both are. I don't know. I, I I didn't know if that would maybe play into it at all. But that is that's pretty funny. You might as well shoot your shot. Hey, can we get some of that cash back? It's only twenty million. <laughs> What's twenty million between friends, right? Yeah, Under on. the bus. When you're talking about these two companies and how much money they generate, come on. That's so funny. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the candy factory this Valentine's Day. Treat your Valentine to chocolate covered strawberries. From the candy factory in downtown Columbia, do not put off valentine's day folks go to the candy factory in downtown columbia online at thecandyfactoryonline.com darius robinson has been killing it in mobile at the senior bowl practices he was named the overall practice player of the week today during the senior bowl awards and that's named by 
the coaches and scouts and the uh, essentially the officials there with the Senior Bowl, they're the ones that decide upon that particular award. So that is some high praise for one Darius Robinson, who won pretty much every single rep this week. First round pick? Question mark. I. I think he absolutely earned himself some money this week. Whether it means the yeah. first round pick, I think remains to be seen. I think he's right on the edge, but I, I think there's a good chance. Man, he's a stud. And he may be not the only Mizzou first round pick either. No, yeah. Right? So, and by and the this way, Rake Straw was some, already mocked into that. Uh, Rake Straw, yeah. I think KAD, I've seen some good things from him this week. I think yeah. Cody Schrader's getting drafted. Again, I'm going to predict Mizzou to have a really fun few days when that when the NFL draft rolls around. Yeah, so uh, they've gone through all their practices this week, and the Senior Bowl is tomorrow in Mobile at noon, so you'll see Darius Robinson, Cody Schrader, Javon Foster, and Chris Abrams drain all out there. I believe Rake Straw and Tyron Hopper had invites, but I think they're dealing with injuries right now, so they weren't going Uh. through anything like that. But but those four players, I, I think you'll expect to see them on the field at some point in Mobile, so you can... Tune into the Senior Bowl tomorrow at noon to see uh, all those Mizzou players representing on the American squad. So that will be cool. And I'll bet Darius Robinson is there a Canadian squad? pretty well. It's American and national. It's like okay. national. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. they, yeah. like baseball. That's what it is. Got to come up with is some sort of Is there a designated punter in the national team? American team? I just, never mind. My brain just <laughs> okay. completely browned out no punts in the senior bowl i guess there has to be right you right have punters there yeah you gotta at showing least off show his something right yeah field goal units you gotta at least have some sort of uh where's mevis why no mevis at the senior bowl? i think he's at the east west shrine bowl i think that's oh, where okay. he was all right I, be- I can't remember jc carlize was there too so okay uh, there was there's that by the way carlize they did his measurements and they're like yeah this guy's like a a, a a truck with legs. I'm really excited to see how. Like I don't know. I was seeing right. some some chatter on Twitter about the the just the the size of the lad, if you will, when it comes to J C. Carlisle. Maybe that'll help out in his prospects as well. Truck with legs, like Optimus Prime, baby. Like Transformers, we'll get there. I suppose. Will Mizzou hoops get there? At Vanderbilt tomorrow, who you got as either the Tigers or Commodores? We'll get their first conference win of the season. Who's it going to be? Tell us at 5.05. Producer Chris's moment of the week at 5.25. And then our picks of the week for college hoops at 5.45 here on The Big Show.